Thanks for joining us, everybody. This is Trading Card Therapy, episode number 14. I'm the doctor, Leighton Sheldon, your host. Thanks for tuning in today. So I thought today we would start off with a topic, whether it be you're a collector, you're a dealer, you're an investor, you're someone who's just a flipper, you're going to need to understand how to buy and assess ungraded card collections. More specifically vintage in this case, but certainly the same uh, theory goes for modern as well. Um, just obviously uh, the grades will largely be a little bit higher grade because uh, modern cards generally are a little bit uh, nicer shape. Today, we're going to be talking about ungraded cards, the process on how to buy them. And the reason why we're talking about it today is because we have a new, fresh collection to show off here that Just Collect recently purchased. And you'll be able to read the full story and see the video about this collection on our blog at blog.justcollect.com. Afternoon, Brandon, Tom, the rest of the IG Live gang. Thanks for joining us. Trading Card Therapy, episode number 14, is now underway. So, gentlemen contacted us a couple months back, and we've seen more of this trend happening here in the card world, is someone's contacting you with ungraded cards, they've heard about big prices, and of course, they hope that their Hank Aaron rookie, that their Jackie Robinson, that their Mickey Mantle, whatever the case may be, is not only going to be high grade, but it's going to be, you know, a low population and or going to sell for big money at auction. And of course, most of us in the know in the hobby as collectors or dealers, investors or hybrid folks know that, you know, it's very hard to get a mint condition vintage card. It's even more paramount to be able to assess them properly and taking that grade and then figuring out from there what it's worth in the secondary market. Gentleman contacted us a couple months ago with a Hank Aaron rookie and I'm going to count here, one, two, three, four, five other ungraded cards. And we're going to show you uh, just a peek of those in a minute. So stay patient. He contacted us not only with what he had, but also the images. And so upon receiving the information through our website, we were able to ask a few more questions and then discern from there what the gentleman actually had on hand, what we thought it might be worth and ultimately what we may pay for it. And so the reason why we bring it up today is because we're very happy to say that we not only bought the first portion of that person's collection, but we just bought the second portion of that individual's collection. And I wanted to take you on our journey about how we did it and how we went about it, even though everything is ungraded. We had a little bump in the beginning and I wanted to tell you about uh, the process. So first off, of course, if it's not obvious to those who are listening or watching, it's a lot easier to buy a graded card. Graded card by PSA, SGC, Beckett, so on and so forth. Um, and the reason being is at least a third party has determined what they believe the grade to be. And then you can take that grade and try to figure out what it's worth in the secondary market using tools such as, for example, VintageCardPrices.com, CardLadder, PSACard.com has a nice free database of auction prices. PWCC, I believe, has free auction prices on their website. So there's a lot of places to go and find data, some paid, some not, for cards being sold and exchanged in the secondary market. So the most important thing when you're being contacted or you stumble across, for that matter, an ungraded vintage card collection is determine what is there. 
So in this case, we determined that with only a handful of cards, um, it would be easy enough for us to get those photographs, provide estimates of not only the grade, but what we think they, they would be worth in the open market. And so you're gonna notice right here, um, as I pull it up, that there's only one card that is graded. Well, check out this beauty. It's a 1954 Topps Hank Aaron PSA five and a half. Dead, not centered left to right. Little bit OC top to bottom, but boy, does it have great eye appeal. So I'm going to tell you the story about this Hank Aaron card that came to us ungraded and how he handled it, along with the rest of the ungraded cards. Gentleman sends in the Hank Aaron in like the world's biggest screw down holder that I've ever seen. Like I actually thought at first it was laminated, it was so big. And I understand he was trying to protect it, but it was in such a big holder and the way the card looked to me, I was a little bit nervous that PSA would not grade it. PSA has on their website at psacard.com all of their grades 1 to 10 and the explanations behind those grades. But then you see there's some other reasons why PSA may not grade a card. And one of them is, um, and I'm probably butchering the, the, the verbiage that PSA has, but if a card is in a screw down and develops some sort of either glazing and or flattening of the card, and it's basically distorted the card in some way, shape, or form, PSA may not grade the card. Well, if PSA doesn't grade the card, although there are other grading companies, um, it could be a big problem for the value of that card in the secondary market. So when we receive this collection of only a handful of cards, I'm going to show off these other ones uh, right now, all the other cards were in reasonable holders, not in card savers, but reasonable holders. So as you can see, there's a 48 stand usual. There is a Koufax rookie. There is a 54 tops Ernie Banks rookie, which has been pretty hot, but as you can see, it's a little OC top to bottom. 57 tops Clemente, which is pretty nice, but it's got some surface issues. And a 55 Bowman mantle. And by the way, shout out to Vintage Breaks and the epic 1955 Bowman Mickey Mantle pulled in the pack herd around the world. You could check out that video and more on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash vintage breaks. So all of those cards were in the first batch that this gentleman sent us, along with the Hank Aaron. But the Hank Aaron was, as I mentioned, in a gigantic screw down holder. So we had to figure out what to do with the card. So in order to mitigate risk, we didn't know if this individual will go for it. We explained to him that we think the card is going to grade such and such. However, we're a little bit concerned because you have it in the world's biggest screw down holder. And we explained to him why. We showed him the verbiage on PSA site. And all of a sudden, he became very nervous. And I said, well, hey, I have a possible solution for you. What if I decide to pay for the grading? The only way that you'll be responsible for the grading costs is if we don't work out a deal for your collection. And if we don't, you'll feel no obligation to sell the cards to us. Um, you'll simply just have to cover the cost of the grading for the Hank Aaron. I said, but by doing this, we're going to ensure what the grade will be. And we're going to ensure that the card will be accurately graded uh, in the sense that I could put a grade on it, but if PSA doesn't grade it um, and find something wrong with it for some reason or another because it was in the screw down holder, well, then an authentic holder is worth a lot less, of course, than a PSA five and a half. So we had a deal in principle for the other cards. We're going to talk about those in a minute. And we decided to collaboratively send off the Hank Aaron to PSA for grading to figure out precisely what it could grade. Now, I thought I had a chance 
at a five or a five plus, but wasn't sure because of the screw down. And so pleasantly happy to get the card back and have it in a PSA five and a half. And as you can see, great eye appeal for the card. So getting back to the collection at hand, we have the rest of the cards were ungraded. And so putting aside the Hank Aaron, which we've now determined exactly what the grade is, we have uh, the rest of the cards, which we now take our few decades of experience. We apply a grade to it. We put together a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. We take that grade. We figure out what we think that that card graded would be worth. We make a slight, ad slight adjustment for the cost of grading. And then we talk to the owner of the cards. For full transparency, it's not always the same. But for ungraded cards, we often will pay in the 50 to 60% range for ungraded cards. However, if the cards are a little bit of higher quality, meaning in terms of condition or of notoriety, such as a Hank Aaron rookie or a Stan Musial rookie, we will pay higher than 60%. In this case, not counting the Hank Aaron, we've agreed to pay the gentleman 65% of what we believe the value of the cards is. And so this is my tip to those who are trying to buy collections, whether it be locally, at a card show, at a card shop, by running ads in their local newspaper, putting up bulletins at ShopRite and the ice cream shop, is one of the keys to our process, and I believe could be a key for you as well. Folks, of course, want to know what they're going to get paid, but something that's been really pertinent um, to our process for a number of years here at Just Collect is to share with people not only what their cards will grade, but what we think they're worth. And then we'll let them know what we would pay for them. Because oftentimes, if there's a disagreement in what we think cards are worth, it's very unlikely we'll be able to reach a deal to buy your cards. However, if we have an agreement on what your cards are worth and are valued at, then we're more likely to reach a deal upon buying your cards. So, when it comes to this 65%, you may ask where the number comes from. It comes from my experience of what it takes to not only process the collection, of course, getting some of the cards graded, but also some of the selling fees like eBay and PayPal costs, or for example, consigning to a great auction house like Heritage or REA. And then there's also the time it takes to actually process the cards. Now, of course, when there's only a handful, it doesn't take very long, but when you're starting to buy dozens or, you know, for that matter, maybe complete sets, um, it really does take a lot more time to invest in the collection. So when you think about it from the standpoint of if something's worth $100 and you're already losing 15% roughly to eBay and PayPal and you're only going to get 85 and you're going to try to leave yourself some profit, um, we'll try to be in the range of 50 to 60% for most ungraded cards. We will pay a little bit higher, like in this case um, of not only the Hank Aaron, which is a kind of a separate uh, card from the deal, but the rest of the ungraded cards you know, we'll pay upwards of 65%, sometimes a little bit more. Um, it really just depends on uh, which players they are and the grades of the card. And uh, of course, and I see some comments coming in here, we appreciate it very much. One thing that we're generally not able to pay for is folks' sentimental attachment or emotional attachment to a collection. So if that is something that is really important to you and you believe that you're going to get paid more money for that, it's going to be really, really hard for the buyer of your cards to justify that. However, there's always, you know, the idea of, for example, for us trying to get some evergreen content, 
and putting up the story behind a collection. For example, our recent Yonkers uh, purchase of a 1930s baseball, football, etc. collection that had been in the same family for the last 90 years or so. That's now on our blog uh, at blog.justcollect.com. And so something like that over the next several years will likely be, re be read thousands of times. So that's something that may go into consideration when it comes to figuring out what my final number may be for an ungraded collection. So we're going to switch uh, gears here for just a second and now take you to phase two of the collection, which is something that we just acquired in the last 24 hours. Now, we're not going to be able to show them off on camera like the way of the other cards, but I'm going to show off our um, Instagram folks a little treat of a collection part due, as we like to say, of the installment collection here at Just Collect on Trading Card Therapy. This is the first ever reveal of the second portion, so check this out. 48-leaf DiMaggio, Warren Spahn, 48-leaf rookie, Bobby Doerr, Luke Appling, a 53 mantle. Yes, wickedly off-centered. Who's going to argue with a 53 mantle? 53 tops Jackie. 53 Satch. 54 tops Maze. 56 second-year Clemente. Aparicio rookie. Second-year Koufax. Aaron, another second-year Koufax. Another second-year Koufax. Kilber rookie. Pair of second-year Aarons. More 56 Clementes. This is a crazy collection. Uh, another Aaron. 55 tops Jackie. There's a pair. They're not the partial diamond. Another 55 tops Jackie. As you can see, it's a fun collection to go through. 56 Jackie. Hank Aaron rookie number two. This one's more like VG. 54 Al Kaline rookie. 56 Maze. Lastly, a 55 Bowman Maze. So the way that we handle this collection, because every card was good and every card was of substantial nature in terms of value, we decided to itemize each and every card on an Excel spreadsheet. So that way, when we put the grade next to each and then we put the value next to each, when we talk to the gentleman that owned the cards, there would be no question as to how we came up with the valuation for the collection. And one of the things that you want to do if you're buying locally from you know, your neighbors, from friends of friends, uh, you're running ads in the paper, uh, whatever the case may be, you want to make sure you have a good reputation. And so one of the ways to do that is to be as transparent as you possibly can about your process. Now, I don't take for granted that I've been doing this for so long, so it's a little bit easier for me to apply a grade to each of these ungraded cards. However, if you graded a lot of cards with PSA or SGC or Beckett or any of the other grading companies and you've, you've got them back through the years, you're generally going to have a good ballpark about what you think something will grade, and absolutely, err on the side of caution. If you believe it's a three or three and a half, call it a three. If it's something that's super expensive though, like a Hank Aaron rookie, put yourself in that person's shoes. If you can do that, I guarantee you you're gonna have a high batting average when it comes to buying collections. And that's the reason why we're not able to buy only the first part of the collection that featured this gorgeous 54 tops Hank Aaron rookie that ultimately got graded a PSA of five and a half, but he saw the, the time and the care and the length that we went um, to for him to explain to him not only up front what we thought his cards were worth, but what we would pay for them. And then also letting him know about the Hank Aaron rookie, how it made us a little bit nervous, but we had a solution. If he was on board with it, 
you know, we would run with it. We'd get the card uh, slabbed and we would get the card finalized in terms of the grade, therefore dictating the value a little bit more clearly for us um, here at Just Collect. So upon closing that, it was a lot easier to convince him after discussing this amazing batch of cards as a second batch that we just received and agreed upon to purchase from him. You want to make sure that if there's any card in a group of cards that you're looking at, whether it be a 52 Tops Mantle or a Hank Aaron rookie, and it's worth you know thousands of dollars or maybe even more, and you're a little bit nervous, rather than shortchanging the seller, rather than hurting your ability to maybe close that lead, i.e. buy that collection um, or that lead, just put yourself in that person's shoes. And so if you're able to garner their trust and make sure uh, to explain to them that you're looking out for them, as well as yourself, you're trying to protect your bottom line. But of course, you know, you want to make sure that their best couple cards are graded accurately. There's nothing wrong with getting a few of the cards graded preliminarily before the final deal is reached. So that way, everyone is on the same page. So it doesn't always work. The percentage isn't always the same from deal to deal. But what is the same is the process. And the process here is something that we not only trust, but our clients trust. And folks who you're trying to interact with and buy their cards, they'll trust your process too. If it's something that you can stand behind, explain to them the rationale. Listen, not everyone's going to always agree on grade, right? And not everyone's going to always agree on value. But if you do the work and you have a reason why something is a certain grade, you have a reason why you decided to choose this value on the chart versus a super high outlier value, well, then folks may not agree with you, but they'll respect you for it. And ultimately, that's going to lead to wins for you in the card collecting community, thus being able to buy fresh collections. And so that's what this particular baseball card treasure hunter likes to do. And I'm trying to share some of my tips, um, my tricks of the trade uh, that have been working for me for quite some time. And I thought that this one was a, a great one to describe to you the process and how it went because literally out of the dozens of cards, they were all ungraded when first presented to us, um, even over email, of course. And we went the extra mile to get the Hank Aaron rookie graded, probably cost us a few extra dollars because it you know, graded the extra half grade. But at the end, we were happy to make a fair profit. The seller was happy with the way that we handled it as well as they what, what they got paid. And so that's really vital to your process as you take it out in the wild and try to find some fresh collections. To switch gears for just a few minutes here on Trading Card Therapy, episode number 14. If you haven't heard yet, big Netflix news in the hobby. Ken Golden, Golden Auctions are getting their own show on Netflix produced by the same team that brought you Pawn Stars. Big news for the hobby, a myriad of emotions and feelings, in general, lots of excitement. But when you start to peel back some of those layers, I'm hearing some, if you will, questions or concerns from people, not just in the sports card community, but in the TCG community, such as Pokemon uh, and such, that with all of this added um, news, with all this added notoriety, with all this added press, what is that going to mean for my beloved hobby? Well, I'm here to tell you it's going to be okay.
There may be some changes that coming. We're here to talk about some of them. And we're also here to talk about some of the things I hope that they handle on the show. First and foremost, make no mistake about it. Simple math. If there is a show on Netflix about golden auctions in Ken in regards to sports cards, comics, Pokemon, game used items, sports memorabilia, historical artifacts, so on and so forth, make no mistake about it, more attention means more buyers. More buyers means more demand. So, winter is coming. If you've been sitting on or wrestling with that decision to buy your Holy Grail Mickey Mantle, to buy your Holy Grail Pokemon card, to buy that card that you're never going to sell like a Hulk Hogan precious metal gem, I'm here to tell you, not touting any of my individual cards I own, for full disclosure, I own the Hulk Hogan precious metal gem, as seen here previously on Trading Card Therapy. But all kidding aside, this is what I mean by winter is coming. And for those of you who are fans of Game of Thrones, I love the show. It's great. It means that there's an influx. People are coming on the ships. They're going to be airdropped in via parachute. They're coming on trains. And obviously, I'm being somewhat sarcastic here. They're going to be looking on the internet. They're going to be looking at the goats of your respected niche. So if you do vintage basketball, make no mistake, they're coming for Bill Russell. If you do Pokemon, they're coming for your first edition Charizard. If you do baseball, make no mistake, they're coming for your Gaudi Roos or your Tito Six Cobbs. If you do early hockey, they're coming for your 54 Tops Gordie Howe in high grade. Shout out to my buddy Justin. Or your Maurice Richard rookie from 51 Parky. Or your 51 Parky Gordie Howe rookie. Or Howie Morenz. Or Wayne Gretzky rookies. I think you catch the drift. If you know the show is going down, we're not even talking about if you like it. This is not about that yet. If we know the show is happening and moving forward, people are going to watch it. Will the show be around for 11 years or 17 years like Pawn Stars has? I have no idea. But make no mistake, with each passing year that the new Ken Golden reality TV Netflix show is prosperous and is renewed as much as Pawn Stars has been, oh, make no mistake about it, you're going to see an increase in prices, certainly with the goats of those respective niche markets that I just described. So... Winter is coming means thin your own hoard. Go into your own collection. Figure out what's falling off the wagon that you don't need as part of it, as part of the mainstay or the focus or what makes you sleep well at night, whatever the case is, and sell. That might mean to sell through Probstein on eBay. It might mean to sell outright to a company like Just Collect, which I own. It might mean to consign to Heritage, SEP, REA, or Golden, or any of the other dozens of auction houses. But make no mistake, in order to buy, you're going to need funds. Don't wait until it's too late. Point is, I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the market, but my spidey sense is telling me if there's going to be a reality TV show and it does even half as well as we think it might, there's going to be a lot of buyers coming in from all over the world. And if that does, 
We'll look back at today's conversation on November 17th during the live taping in front of a studio audience here at Trading Card Therapy, episode number 14, as being pivotal and vital for you, the collector, for you, the investor, or you, the hybrid individual who enjoys this hobby, this hobby being sports card, TCG, Pokemon, or anything and everything in between. Make no mistake, if winter is coming, buy your goats sooner rather than later. Now, in regards to content that I hope they have on the show, seeing as how I used to work in an auction house myself, it was my second job. I graduated Rutgers College in 2000. And for those of you who'd like to learn a little bit more about me, the doctor, you can tune in uh, to the first episode ever of Trading Card Therapy, wherever you get your favorite podcasts on Apple, Spotify, etc. as I gave a little bit of the history of my background in baseball cards and all that kind of fun stuff. So coming from an auction house, uh, Leland's, it was my second job out of college, and it was an amazing experience. The market was not nearly as mature as it is today, both in terms of technology, in terms of buyers, pricing, et cetera, so on and so forth. And so in terms of the kinds of content that I would like to see on this new reality show, like I've already seen great stuff. So seeing great stuff is cool. I hope that Ken and his team focus on the story behind it, the families or the family or the person or the persons that it came from. Also, the journey. So if you're going on a consignment trip, take us through the jitterbugs of that morning of how you feel, as well as what you got to eat in that small town in wherever uh, in our country, or for that matter, in the world. But then also, take us into your office and show us packages as they come in. Like, for example, what we're going to do today on Layton's Loft later, we have a FedEx package with cards from the early 20th century. So if you want to see what these are, tune in later. Well, I'd love to see some of that stuff live on the show. And then also some of the personalities behind the team. So, of course, many of us know Ken, but I'd love to know more about Dave Ammerman, who's on their team. And some of the personalities that make up how they're able to put together millions of dollars per auction. And it seems like there's no stopping them. So those are just some of my, if you will, wish list items for the upcoming Netflix show um, on the hobby. But most importantly, I really think that if they focus on provenance, because it's a word that is used a little bit in our hobby, but it's used a lot in the art world, in the coin world, and other collecting spaces, that if we can focus on provenance, I think that people, i.e. customers, buyers, will become even that, more, more, that much more attached to the products themselves, to the show itself, to the stories. And for that, it will be evergreen content, which will continuously attract new collectors, new buyers, over the next decades to come. So with that, I hope you've enjoyed Trading Card Therapy, episode number 14. As we say goodbye to you all, we'll give you one last glimpse at the Hank Aaron 1954 Tops Rookie PSA 5.5, which recently came back from PSA as part of a new collection that we recently purchased. Thanks for tuning in all.